Welcome, FCS Fans Nation, to our third podcast this offseason. Um, I'll be your guys' host today. My name's Kyler. I'll argue with anyone. Um, and today with me, we have two other admins. So let's introduce these guys. We have the reigning NDSU admin, Matthew Frazee. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm good, guys. It's a great, great night talking to you again, and I'm excited to talk some more FCS football. So before we announce the other guy, you should tell FCS Fans Nation where we went this weekend together. Ah, fun fact. Myself, being down in Texas for some training, I met up with the wonderful Kyler Neal. Him and his wife were gracious hosts. Uh, Stop we, it. Yeah, they were wonderful. We headed down to the home of the Sam Houston Bearcats. We checked out the field, uh, checked out the stands. It was beautiful. It was a wonderful, beautiful stadium. Very impressed. Very impressed. The wind wasn't blowing too hard. You didn't get blown out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll oh, talk man. about that in the podcast. We will. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. Don't get, don't turn us off now, Bearcat fans. We are going to defend your honor. I guarantee it. Awesome. And yeah, I mean, it, it was actually a really pretty stadium. I was, I was impressed. Um, last but not least, we have now Sam Houston's least favorite, but everyone else's favorite <laughs> admin um, from James Madison, Lauren Smith. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Ready to, ready to talk some football and even more ready for the season to start. Exactly. So for, for those of you who are just turning in or maybe have never heard one of our podcasts before, let me break it down, you know, just take a quick couple seconds. Basically, during this off season, we are asking other fellow fans on our page to ask us some questions that you guys would like us to discuss on the podcast. So all these topics that we're going to be talking about are from the good people on our social media platforms. So if you're listening and you think of a question, tag one of us admins on Facebook or jump on Twitter and use the brand new hashtag AskFCSNation. Um, we'll keep track of all of our questions through there. And then if you make the cut, um, we'll talk about them right on this podcast. So if everyone else is ready, I guess let's dive right in. Um, I will say I'm going to butcher some of these names. So if I do, I apologize. But at the end of the day, it's kind of your fault for having ridiculous names. <laughs> so so first we have, I believe, um, one of Matt Frazee's buddies, Zach Ragone. Yep. That's Ragone. Right. Yes, sir. Did I say it right the first time? Yeah, you nailed it, man. All right. Well, you know what? Maybe I'm not as bad as I thought. Yeah, you got so it. So his question is, why should we pay attention to any teams outside of North Dakota State and James Madison? He said, this feels a lot like last year where there's really only two teams in the race. Matt, since he's your buddy, let's start with you. All right. I'll kick it first. Now, I think a lot of the preseason polls and a lot of the articles we're reading right now around the FCS kind of still have NDSU and JMU above at that top tier. Um, NDSU bringing back virtually everything. And we talk about James Madison and the phenomenal coach, Mike Houston, and the cast that they bring back in terms of key positions. Um, but I'm, I'm not trying to downplay JMU, but I'm going to use it as part of my argument. The fact that there's a quarterback change there and that there is some um, changes around the defensive line and other areas makes you think that possibly they're not going to be as strong as last year. That being said, there are many up-and-coming teams around this year in the FCS. You look at New Hampshire, you look at Eastern Washington, squads that are bringing back 18-plus starters. You look at Kennesaw, who brings back more starters than anybody else in the FCS. Last year, you had this perfect storm of two senior, junior, strong rosters, and they just seemed so much heavier than everybody else. Everybody else was kind of young and up and coming. Maybe a few other ones that, like South Dakota State, we might have considered. Um, but really, we saw top two tier. 
This year, everybody else is taking a step to catch back up. And I think it's going to be much more competitive. Um, James Madison NDSU has been a great storyline for almost two years now. But let's be completely honest. Prior to 2016, there was tons and tons of parity in between Illinois State, Eastern Washington. Um, you're going back to the Sam Houston days, all those things. Uh, even back to when the CAA was running the FCS with Villanova, Richmond. The FCS is not set with top two teams the way the FBS is. I see a lot of parity. And there are a lot of fun teams that are going to be coming for that throne and I think are capable of taking it from NDSU and knocking down James Madison on the pedestal as well. Yeah, I agree with everything Matt said. Um, actually, he took most of the words straight out of my mouth. Um, the one thing I was going to say, you know, when 2016 started, no one nationally was saying to pay attention to JMU at all. Uh, you know, we're kind of a team that had been in the mix for a couple of years. And, and then that year, we finally took a big step into being a powerhouse and you know, there are a couple of teams out there that, you know, could potentially follow that same path this year. There's not anyone that we think, you know, is definitely going to be in Frisco, but at the end of the season, you know, how might that change? Yeah, I think you are an upset away of North Dakota State just because they're perceived as the clear number one right now. An upset of North Dakota State from me not willing to put any amount of money down for somebody winning the national championship um and you know if jmu and ndsu go go out in the playoffs it's just going to be absolute chaos i'm not sure who you're going to pick i think there are plenty of teams that are capable of accomplishing just that it's going to be a fun year within the fcs so i'd be paying attention for sure and watch those polls as teams climb up yeah both teams have had some close playoff games in the past couple seasons so it's not you know neither team's unbeatable by any stretch um, I think we very likely could see uh, two new teams in Frisco this year. It's definitely possible. 100%. All right, Scott Moody, he asked a two-part question, actually. So we're going to focus on the first part, um, and then we can go into the second part. But his question is, JSU versus Kennesaw State at SunTrust to end the season. Which team is likely to have the better season leading up to the game? Lawrence, let's start with you. Um, JSU, they're definitely going to have the better season, I think. Um in my opinion, they're still the, you know, kind of the class of the Ohio Valley. And I think they're going to clinch their conference title before the last week of the season. So, you know, I'm not saying that that game's going to be irrelevant for them, but it will definitely be more important for Kennesaw to, you know, to show up in that game. And Matt? Um, I, would say, I would have said Kennesaw State prior to the Cooper quarterback from Clemson mm -hmm. transfer. I think most of us look at Jacksonville State from last season and we thought, you know, what has happened to the offensive power that this team brings? Um, we were used to the Eli Jenkins era. And last year, their quarterback and offensive play, based from our fans' comments, was, was really poor. But I think with a good transfer at the quarterback, they're going to continue their reign at the Ohio Valley. Uh, Kennesaw, I just honestly see some really tough games. Um, at Georgia State, I know it's FBS, and I do think Kennesaw should be favored, but it's an FBS game. Uh, you've got to play Samford again, who they split last season. And then, like we said, Charleston Southerns could be good. Uh, you've got Monmouth in there. There's just a lot more on Kennesaw's plate, I think, which could cause them to have a worse season. When they actually do meet up, uh, I'm going to go with Kennesaw just because I have a love for the Owls, but I could see it going either way. But in terms of a better schedule leading up, I'm going to say Jacksonville State has a better record. Who wins that matchup? Could be a toss-up, though. 
Yeah, so I'm definitely saying Jacksonville is going to have the better season um, coming into the game. Really, their only tough team I see, you know, out on their schedule is North Carolina AT, which Hero Sports has them ranked number 21. That's the only really tough game. Some people would consider, you know, Austin P in there. I don't think that's really a tough game. Um, where Kennesaw State, they, like you just said, they go to an FBS team. They go to Hero Sports number six, Samford, who returns 16 starters. I don't think Kennesaw will get through their season undefeated, where I do think JSU will end up being undefeated. So I think leading up to the game, I think Jacksonville State, they're going to definitely have the better season. Um, and I think strength of schedule plays into a part. Now, part two of this question is if going to that game, let's say one of them loses, do they both get seeded? Matt? I believe that if Jacksonville State wins that game, I think they are, based off what I'm seeing, I think they're undefeated for the season, and I think they're a high seed. You could argue their strength of schedule, but they'll be a high seed with an undefeated season. I believe if Kennesaw beats them, there's an argument to push them out because of the strength of schedule um, and for Kennesaw to be in there. So my base, base opinion would be if Jacksonville State wins, top five seed with an undefeated season. If Kennesaw upends them, though, Kennesaw moves into a seed, and I think JSU would be a fringe eight or seven and possibly move out because unlike last year where they may have had a strong out-of-conference initially, this year besides North Carolina A&T, it is not strong all the way through. So we'll see. It's got a lot of implications there at the end. And Lawrence? Uh, I think JSU is going to end up being seated regardless of the outcome of this game. Uh, again, I think they'll kind of roll through their conference. So I, I don't think their seed is dependent on this game. But Kennesaw, they have to win this game if they're going to get a seed. So I have a little bit of a different take. So let's, let's take my opinions out of where I think Kennesaw is actually going to lose a game or two before they come into this game. Um, so let's say they're both undefeated. What we've seen with JSU, you know, the last two years, I think will take into effect on them losing their first playoff game. So if JSU goes into this game undefeated but loses to Kennesaw, I think with one loss, they're out of the seeds. Um, both teams' strength of schedule is really easy, and I think that's going to, you know, come into play during these seedings. But I will say props to these two teams for even scheduling this high caliber of a game this late in the season. Um, I think it'll be pretty fun. Yeah, mad props to both the um, both schools for scheduling that game. They should get a lot of credit. It's going to be a lot of fun that late in the season. Most teams would avoid a game like this to end the season. I think this is just awesome. Um, and I think, it, yeah, it will definitely be a fun game to watch. Yeah, agree there. One thing about what you said, um, you know, in your scenario, if they are both undefeated going into the game, I think neither one of them has to worry about anything. National seed. If, if they're um, both undefeated and it's a close game, I agree. They both get a seed. I really don't think Kennesaw is going to be undefeated, but yeah, whatever. I don't think so either. Perfect. Um, so Dustin Helton asks, what will it take for Sam Houston State not to be viewed as overrated? And I'll actually take this one if you guys don't mind, because I actually talked about it on our page. Okay. Yeah, so, absolutely. So some people on the page were, after, after this question was asked, were saying, win a championship, none will consider you overrated. I don't even think that's the case. My opinion is, Sam Houston State, quit losing by 40-plus games on the final game of the season. If you're playing close games at the end of those seasons, no one would even bring up you're overrated. You've gone to the semifinals. You have been one of the most consistent teams in the country this decade. You have the second most wins, second most semifinals, second most championship games tied with J James Madison. 
if you weren't losing games at the end of the season by 40 plus, you're not overrated and people would remember how tough you are. But since it's the last game of the season, that's the only game that people remember. So that's my take. Stop losing by 40, make it close. You're not overrated. I think that is kind of like the political answer and the way it should be, but it's just not the reality. Uh, I think they have to win a national championship to kind of get the monkey off their back. Their opportunity for redemption by doing anything less than winning a championship has already passed. Um, the narrative has already been set, and in my opinion, only winning a national championship is going to change that. So, quest, question, a rebuttal for you. Is South Dakota State considered overrated? No. Why not? It, it's Well, it's it's... It's public opinion. That's really all it is. Um, you know, they probably, you can make the case that they deserve it just as much as Sam Houston, but, you know, the Bearcats have just kind of consistently gotten blown out. Um, well, that so that, that was my um, whole point. Like, let's say they were losing those games, but losing by three to ten points this whole time instead of getting blown out by 40. And they've made the semifinals that consistently, but only have lost by three to ten points each time. Would they even yeah, be? That's, undefe- that's not what's happened, though. No, I know, but that's literally the only reason why they're considered overrated is that last final game of the year, stop losing by forty, and there there'd be no overrated talk. People would not talk about it. Personally, I think with Sam Houston and South Dakota State, if NDSU doesn't exist, they probably win championships, and they're both doing just fine. Sorry, I had to be a jerk there. Um, Seriously, my opinion with Sam Houston is that the overrated narrative, I agree with Kyler, comes from the blowouts. The only thing I will say for them is everyone will say, play real competition, play real competition. Wait till they see the big boys. Wait till they see the, the tough games. Um, I'm just going to say this. Uh, they have a 19-11 and 11 playoff record, 9-2 and two against the Big Sky, 2-0 and oh against the Big South, 1-1 one and one against the CAA. They are 1-4 against the Missouri Valley. Four of those are NDSU. Uh, one and two against Ohio Valley, undefeated against the Patriot and Southern, and two and two against the Southland. They have proven that when they play competition out of any conference, that they can stand up to anybody. They just seem to run into the big dog at the end. And Kyler's right. If you're going to get blown out, people will start that narrative. Um, but in terms of having the consistency, I think Sam Houston is a, a program to envy even without the ring. So uh, take North Dakota State out of the equation, and I they definitely got a ring. So I know that's a ridiculous hypothetical, but it, it's all but true. I agree that their uh, reputation isn't deserved, but the reality is that, that, you know, that re- reputation is there. And so now they have to overcome that because people are only going to remember the blowouts, whether that's right or not. That's true. That's fair. Yep. That last game of the season is all people are going to remember no matter what team it is. That's all people remember about, Northern Arizona this last year. Now you got blown out by San Diego. Who cares? <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah, they had a great year, but that's all we'll ever think of. It's a great point. Perfect. So um, Victor Quintana asks, is the Southland continuing to trend upward after last year's success, or do you see them falling back down? Lawrence, let's start with you. Um, I don't see them falling back down or really getting much better. I think they're just going to kind of be the same as last year. Um, I'm kind of seeing three teams in the playoffs again for them. And I think if they do that, they'll kind of cement themselves as kind of that second tier of conference just outside of uh, the big three, the CAA, the big sky and the, and the Valley. 
Yeah. I really, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I really like what they're doing. Um, I think the Southland is trending upwards in terms of what happens next year. I, I actually agree a hundred percent with Lawrence in terms of it's going to look very similar, but from where the Southland's reputation was say three, four years ago to now, it's definitely trending upward would be a good term for it. Um, McNeese had a really good year last year. Nichols was a great story and they bring back a lot. Um, I think they beat Kansas this year to start. Uh, Sam Houston's always good. Central Arkansas had a great year. You know, there was a time when people were like, it's Sam Houston and nobody else. Well, that, that's just not the case right now. I like where the Southland's going, and I'm glad that conferences are starting to get stronger. It's good for the FCS as a whole. So Southland's strong. Keep it up. Yep. So um, I kind of agree with you a little bit, Matt. Um, I think the Southland, I guess you can say they're getting better, but how I see it is they're actually getting more lopsided. Um, the top tier, so I'm considering Sam Houston State, Central Arc, McNeese, and Nichols, they're definitely getting better as a whole. Um, but the bottom half of the, the Southland is still getting worse. So now you're only going to see more disparity. The gap's going to continue to widen. Um, so I don't know if you consider that being better um, or worse. I don't know. I think it's going to be about even what they did last year. But definitely those top four teams are getting better than the rest of the conference. I don't see the rest of the conference getting better as a whole, but those top four teams are. That was the best Bernie Sanders FCS analogy I've ever heard in my entire life. That was what I do. The top is great and better. The worst is down. Not my political opinion, but that was phenomenal. <laughs> hey, I try. So, um, perfect. I, I think we're all pretty much on the same page on the Southland. They definitely have a couple good teams, a couple really bad teams. But we are all excited about where the Southland seems to be at least heading with those couple teams. Yep. So, Dakota Collins asked, what is a trap game on each of our schedules? So this is perfect. We have a JMU guy, we have a North Dakota State guy, and then we have an Eastern guy. So Lawrence, we'll start with you. Um, I think a lot of people immediately, they would say New Hampshire. I don't consider that a trap game, though, because it's kind of like the obvious one that JMU might lose. Right. I'm going to go ahead and say our game at Richmond. It's kind of early in the season this year compared to other years. Um, so, you, you know, you don't really know how with that quarterback change, how things are going to, you know, if they're going to be settled in yet. Uh, JMU should absolutely be the better team again this season, but things do get weird in this rivalry. Um, the series is prone to a lot of momentum swings too, and JMU has won four of the last five meetings. I think if history is anything to go on, you could say that maybe Richmond's turn to reel off a couple wins in this series. Uh, JMU's just going to have to be laser-focused when they go to Richmond if they expect to come home with a win. Yeah, I agree with you when you said, you know, some people would say UNH, UNH are not a trap game. They're one of the toughest teams, you know, in the in the whole FCS coming into next year. So, um, yeah, that, that will be a game I'm definitely going to watch out for. JMU versus Richmond seems to be a fun little rivalry. And, I wouldn't call it a little rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Matt, we'll, we'll go with your trap game. Yeah, um, I looked back into the kind of the streak history currently of where North Dakota State's at. And there have been trap game losses. Um, the first, the last loss before the long 33-some game streak we had uh, was against Indiana State at home in the Dome. Um, you would have never guessed. Brock Jensen with a few pick sixes, and we lost that game. Uh, Carson Wentz and USD in 2015. We lost to the Coyotes in the Fargo Dome. So when I think of the trap game, I think of those. I think of the completely unexpected where it kind of comes out of nowhere. And North Dakota State's schedule this year is the most favorable thing I've seen in my entire life. Um, it's seven home games. 
Uh, the first board at home, the first conference game is South Dakota State at home. If I think, Kyler, you pointed it out while we were down in Houston. You know, if North Dakota State goes to Frisco this year, they only play three games outdoors. I mean, it's just insane. That's ridiculous. That being <laughs> – yeah, it's it's the timing is insane. That being said, I would say at Western Illinois for my trap game. I wouldn't pick Nor- Northern Iowa since it's a rivalry game, and I, I think Missouri State and Southern Illinois at the end are just, you know, too, too low of a team to compete with us at this point. So I think at Western Illinois, who's had some success in the past, they're kind of a mid-tier – And that's a road game after a big rivalry game. And then the week after, you've got a good Illinois State team coming to town. Is a perfect recipe for, well, maybe we'll ease up a bit. And boom, the Leathernecks get a victory over you. So I'll say Western Illinois is on the road. I like it. So um, like you guys, I agree. A trap game is a game that your team should win, but you may overlook. So for that with Eastern Washington, I'm going to say D2 Central Washington to start the season. Now, y'all are probably laughing if you're listening to this um, because you guys are thinking, how is Eastern, who's heavily favored to win the Big Sky this year, ever going to lose to a D2 team? And aren't they, or I mean, and they're not the most difficult game on your schedule, you would think. So here's how I'm going to break it down to you guys. Central Washington is not your average, typical D2 team. They went 11-0 last year and played in the D2 title game where they lost a very close game, 31-34. Now, this game... I mean, this team has some offense. They put up 30 points or more in 10 of their 12 games. They had multiple games where, look at these scores. They beat teams 52 to 27, 42 to 0, 51 to 0, and finally 62 to 0. Who does that? Even at the D2 level, that's impressive. They're also Eastern's oldest rivalry dating back to the 1920s. Eastern leads the series by a narrow margin, only 33 to 30. And the last two times Central Washington played an FCS team that I remember, they played Montana in 2009, where Montana beat them on a last-minute field goal to win. And Montana ended up playing in a national title game that year. Then in 2010, they played Eastern. Eastern beat them on a last drive and won 35-32. And I don't know if you guys remember 2010, but us at Eastern do. We won the national title that year. So on top of all that, uh, them having success, you know, playing against those top-tier FCS teams, they have a QB, Riley Hennessy, who comes back for his senior year. Now, most of you guys probably don't know who he is, but he actually played for Eastern, and I believe he was projected to be Eastern's starter, but ultimately lost a spot in the, you know, in the offseason. Mm. So he's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder coming back to play Eastern in his senior year. Um, and yeah, Eastern's just not, or Central's just not your average D2 team, and I really hope you don't overlook them. I absolutely love it. And the, what, you, what you dug into, what you found is amazing. And the thing I love the most is that there's probably a lot of FCS fans that are listening to this laughing at that pick. But you know what? FBS fans do the exact same thing to FCS teams when they're coming to town. And we beat them all the time. Yep. So it's completely possible for a powerhouse D2 to take down a powerhouse FCS. I love well, that pick, Kyler. It's amazing. Well, well, that top tier, you know, if you're playing in a D2 title game and going 11-0 and in the season, my guess is you're better than half of the big sky. Um, you know, at least yep. half of the big sky. So, yeah, I, I just hope we don't overlook them. They're definitely not going to be an easy game, um, especially because it is technically still like a rivalry game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it should be a fun game, and it's at the beginning of the season, which makes me a little nervous because that's when FCS teams like to F- upset FBS teams at the beginning of the season. So, Yeah, I love it. It's a phenomenal pick. 
And then um, Casey Thompson asks, is the Missouri Valley Football Conference the sixth best conference in all of D1 football? Matt, you're our Missouri Valley rep. I'm going to start with you. Absolutely 100% not. The Missouri (laughs) Valley Football Conference is a premier, usually year in and year out, one of the top two conferences since probably 2010, 2011-ish. I think the Missouri Valley Conference has gained a lot of its weight and a lot of its reputation based off of North Dakota State's success. We have had phenomenal teams like Illinois State in 2014 make it to the title game, South Dakota State in the semifinals last year. Uh, You've had us put five playoff teams in. You've seen teams like Western Illinois, who was last in, um, I believe, in 2015, and they went to an auto-bid team and beat them really bad. You've seen that at the FCS level. But top to bottom, year in, year out, if you were to stack them up against all the Power Five, it's not even close. And if you were to go to the top tier to conferences, such as the Mountain West or where UCF is, that's the um, the CAA, is that correct? Yeah. No, the American. The, over in the American. I don't think the Missouri Valley Conference has a chance top to bottom. Do I think North Dakota State could go in and compete for a top three team in the Mountain West? On certain years, yes, absolutely. But I don't see teams like Indiana State, Illinois State, Youngstown, South Dakota going in and being able to be matched up against Wyoming's, Boise State's, and teams like that. It's fun to think of that, and it's cool to rely on one game like NDSU beating Kansas State or you and I seeming to always beat Iowa State and say, look how good we are. But if you consistently went top to bottom, I don't think the Missouri Valley Conference is a top six conference in all of Division I football. I love them at the FCS level, but I just don't think it's a reality for the next step. Yep, and I'll go with this one. I'm going to say simply no. It is not the sixth best conference in D1. I agree a lot with what Matt said. Um, and if you want to dive into it, I actually think even though Sagarian has them ranked above the Sun Belt, I think those two conferences are much closer than people realize. That's the worst FBS conference versus arguably the best FCS conference. And to even have the notion of them being the sixth best, that's competing with the AAC, the Missouri, or the Mountain West, like you said. Well, if you dive into that, the AAC has five teams ranked above the Valley's second best team. And I'm not even sure that that's accurate. I would put more AAC teams above the Valley's second best team. Sure, can they compete one out of 100 games? Yeah, but when you're matching them up week in and week out, those those top-tier conferences would just eat you alive. And then when you actually look at the recruiting of the Missouri Valley versus, I'm going to go and, and compare it to the Sun Belt. The recruiting of the Sun Belt is actually much better than the Valley. Only North Dakota State's recruiting is somewhat close to the Sun Belt over the last five years. Missouri Valley would, I mean, um, North Dakota State would actually finish still in the bottom, you know, third of the Sun Belt every single year in recruiting. So that just shows you the type of athletes, you know, those FBS conferences get. So yeah, easy answer. Not at all. It's an awesome question. It's awesome to think about. Um, but top to bottom, the Missouri Valley would get their butts kicked at a FBS level as, as so much as every conference in the FCS. And that's, and that's the, the main thing to go off of is top to bottom. It's easy to point at a uh, NDSU, say how strong it is. Um, but if you do top to bottom, it's why I picked this, the 
the CAA as the strongest conference this year in FCS football because top to bottom, it's the best. Well, I think North Dakota State's the clear number one. That doesn't mean top to bottom that the CAA isn't stronger with all these teams. And when you compare that to an FBS conference, I just don't think it's close in most cases. Yep, I have the Valley as the second best conference in the FCS level. And I don't think the big sky is far off from from even the Missouri Valley this next year. I think the CAA is a clear favorite. And the CAA is definitely not the sixth best conference in D1. Um, So, Lawrence, your take. Um, You guys absolutely stole everything I was going to say. I obviously agree with you both. Um, The Valley is not the sixth best conference in D1. Um, You you didn't mention it until the very end. But, yeah, if we're talking about 2018 specifically, they're not even the best conference in the FCS. Um, I have the Valley as the ninth best conference across all of Division One. Um, obviously behind the the Power Five, and then the American and the Mountain West, and the CAA. Those are my top eight. You slot in the Valley, you know, right behind the CAA there, um, at, at number nine. I think even that's being generous. It would be fun to see the Valley go head to head against the Sun Belt, top to bottom. Because the Sun Belt is a joke that we all, you know, consider a joke of the FBS. But top to bottom, I think it's a lot more competitive with the Valley than people are going to think. It is. It's fun to think about. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you got to be realistic in some areas. Uh, you can't just go off of one or two teams' success within your conference to justify the whole thing. Yeah, Matt, that's a great point. Um, people look at North Dakota State and say, oh, the Valley has won six of the last seven national championships. Like, well, no, North Dakota State has won six of the last seven national championships, and the rest of the Valley has been pretty good, you know, pretty good to averagely good in that same time. North Dakota State's really what makes it stand out. Um, Apart from the Bison, it's really just another FCS Power 3 conference. And, And just look at what North Dakota State has actually done versus the Valley. To, what makes people think the Valley is so much better than every other conference? When you look at North Dakota State's record versus the Valley, they're dominating them. <laughs> On average, they lose like, you know, 0.75 games a year because they've gone undefeated a couple years. To me, that doesn't show that the Valley is so much better than all of these other conferences. It shows North Dakota State's back is getting super sore, and I'm going to send everyone on that team some Ben Gay. <laughs> well said. Well said. So that's really all the questions we had today. Um, so first off, I just want to thank you two for jumping on the podcast with me. Um, it's always fun as usual. Um, and I want to thank our members for asking these questions. So again, like I said at the top of the, the podcast, if you want to participate, please look out for the podcast number four post coming soon on our Facebook site or use um, ask hashtag ask FCS nation on Twitter. Um, if you do have a question, and we didn't get it in this podcast or even the last podcast and submitted it. We're going to do our best to try and fit it in. Um, we've had quite a bit of questions, but we're going to do our best to fit them in in the future podcasts. Any other closing remarks, guys? Do you want to talk about uh, the new addition to our Pick'em Challenge for this year? We can. Yeah. So um, now we're still working out a little bit of the details, but I'm sure we can officially say it. So if any of you guys are interested in sports betting, and I know um, you guys have seen this site come through our page, but Computer Ratings, um, they're an analytical sports site that does a whole bunch of you know, simulations on games, 
Um, and it really helps with your sports betting. I don't know if you're technical. No, it's legal now. So you're allowed to say that. Um, but they are going to be participating in our weekly pick them. If you win the weekly pick them and you win over um, computer ratings. So if you beat computer ratings and you win that top rate, that top person is actually going to get a year membership to use computer ratings. That's 100% all the simulations you can use. Um, and I remember Steve saying he's the creator of it. I remember him saying his success rate at all the FCS and FBS level was pretty high um, last year. So that's a cool thing. We want to thank computer ratings um, for allowing us or for donating one of those yearly memberships. Um, it, it'll be fun. If you're not familiar with the Pick'em Challenge, um, every week the five admins are going to pick seven or eight games of the week. Um, you go on, you pick the winner, and if you're right, you get a point. At the end of the season, whoever has the most points wins the grand prize, which is just accumulated from the $5 entry fee it takes to, to sign up. If you're interested in winning that money, it was over $200 last year. Just head over to the page and check out the announcements tabs, and there's instructions there to sign up. Perfect. Um, Matt, anything you want to add? Just want to say what I always say, which is thank you so much to all the fans that are on the pages throughout our social media accounts, especially on Facebook at FCS Fans Nation. You guys drive us. You guys are the reason that we do all that we have going on with the podcast. And you got your guys' interaction and postings is what's making it the largest following for FCS fans in terms of engagement on Facebook. 6,300 and growing, and the season's only going to get better. Pick them challenges, playoff bracket challenges. Um, we're talking daily updates, we're podcasts and uh, game threads, Snapchat, everything FCS. So bring your friends on board. Um, we can't wait to make this thing completely blow up, and we're excited to keep it going. Thank you to all you guys out there. Speaking of Snapchat, just one more thing real quick. Um, we're still kind of hashing out the details on this one, but we are going to have a Snapchat and Instagram game day picture challenge too. Um, more information on that to come. Just keep an eye out on the page. Win some of your own team swag at the end of the year. Awesome. Again, thanks everyone. We really do appreciate it. Can you guys hear me now? Yep. So, yeah, I can hear you. Gotcha, man. I think can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah I got can, you. Can, can you hear us? Matt, can you hear me? I got you, Lawrence. Yeah. Kyler, can you hear us? Hello? I hear nothing. Yep, I got nothing, too. That's crazy weird.